When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. The 2021 NFL Draft is in the books, but there is still plenty to wager on over at betonline.ag. You've got the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, and oh, by the way, you can still bet on plenty of football-related items, rookie futures, NFL futures, who's going to win the Super Bowl, how many yards are some of these top rookies going to throw for, run for, receive. It's all available to you at betonline.ag. Check it out today. TDN Fantasy. The TDM Fantasy Podcast with your host Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDM Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner here with you on a Monday. No Jake Arians. He will be back on Wednesday, though, so don't worry. He'll be back uh, for when we start the running backs projections that Jamie has put together. Those start on Wednesday. We have some housekeeping to take uh, take care of here on today's show, and then it is the back half of the wide receiver projections. We started that last Wednesday. We are finishing it up here on Monday. But, Jamie, two pieces of housekeeping that we needed to take care of. You, over the weekend, mentioned to me, I need to start Monday's show by talking about I've made a major update to my Bears projection. So all of the Bears players, have gotten projection changes that I believe are now live in all of the projections that are on the site. Yes. So explain every to everybody what you did, why you did it, and what those changes are. So obviously when you're covering the entire league and you're looking at all this stuff, sometimes things can fall through the cracks. And this is why a big reason why I like to do the show my work because I can be able to go back and be able to adjust as needed. Uh, apparently, while we were in the thralls of draft season, uh, and like late in draft season as we were traveling and getting ready to do our shows, there was a little nugget of information that I happen to have missed about the Chicago Bears, and that is that Bill Lazor is not going to be calling plays again this year like he was toward the back part of last season and during the playoff game. Uh, Matt Nagy is taking back control of play calling for now, um, and I imagine he's going to do that until otherwise told that he can't. And I guess I can understand that if this is a make-or-break season, if you're – you know, if you believe your job is on the line and you you have to make a last stand, who better to trust than yourself? But that does change some of my Bears projections a little bit because Matt Nagy ran a more pass-friendly offense when he was given the opportunity to call play since he's gotten to Chicago as compared to Bill Lazor, who really leaned 
on a heavier running game. So I made a few adjustments in my rankings uh, to move some guys around. Uh, Allen Robinson got a little bit of a boost, um, as did Darnell Mooney and Anthony Miller got more slight boosts. Uh, Justin Fields moved up a little bit. He ended up moving up to number 20 uh, in my rankings. He was down in like that 23 range before. And David Montgomery, unfortunately, drops a little bit. He was hanging out around that RB13 mark. He drops down to RB17. Uh, Tariq Cohen got a little bit of a boost as well because they basically, the Bears operated a significantly different offense under Bill Lazor than they did with Matt Nagy. So now I have to adjust that for a team that's going to pass the ball a little bit more. So it brings up that volume of passing targets because uh, over the last two years while Nagy was calling plays, the Bears averaged about 38 pass attempts per game, uh, which was a hand, you know a few more uh, than the projected pass attempts that Bill Lazor did from the time he was calling plays over the final handful of games of the season and the playoffs. So a little bit of adjustment made there, kind of moved the rankings around a little bit as well, uh, but they are all updated on the website. They'll be updated on the projections that will be releasing this week and next week on draftnetwork.com, and they're updated everywhere where you could see my rankings. And then the other piece of housekeeping actually has a lot to do with what we're talking about on today's show, but it has to do with a player that we've already talked about. We learned maybe about five minutes before we jumped in here to record this show, Jamie, that the Jets and Jamison Crowder did agree to a restructured contract. He is coming back to the team for 2021. It's kind of been a... Um, running commentary here on this show that we didn't know what Jamison Crowder's status was going to be with the Jets in 2021. We kind of all assumed here on this show that because they could just cut him and it wouldn't cost them a whole lot and they can save the $10 million against the cap, that they would more than likely do that after adding Corey Davis, after drafting Elijah Moore, but they agreed to a restructure. He is going to come back for the 2021 season. And Jamie, I don't know how much of a boost you had Jamison Crowder 98th on your projections, and I don't know if you've made changes to this because, again, this happened about five minutes minutes before we went live but I think more importantly we were talking about this pre-show this is probably more of an impact to Elijah Moore's fantasy status than it is Jamison Crowder's yeah I will update my Jamison Crowder ranking he will not be in the 90s uh, after finding this out but you know he's he'll move up probably top 20, 20 wide receiver let's go no he'll move up 20 25 spots uh, I'd imagine uh, I'll have to see what the numbers come out to when, when I redo them but uh, he'll move up to the point where he becomes draftable again um, where he really kind of wasn't in that draftable category where I had him before. It's not the greatest news for Elijah Moore and Denzel Mims, uh, as you and I were, were pontificating about before the show began. Target's got to go come away from somebody. And whether that means is Jamison Crowder going to play outside, is Elijah Moore going to play outside? Um, you know, if one of those guys moves outside, is Denzel Mims the odd man out? Because it's not going to be Corey Davis. Is you know, are they going to ask Jamison Crowder to move outside uh, at some point? So somebody is going to get hurt by that value. But from a football standpoint, this is a really good move for Zach Wilson. It's a good move for the Jets. And uh, I, it just makes Crowder a little bit more fantasy relevant, but it puts a little bit of cold water. Again, I'm not going to like Elijah Moore's ranking isn't going to plummet because I still believe in the talent. And I think at some point that's going to win out. But it's going to make either more or Mims not quite as valuable as I would have thought they would have been if Jamison Crowder were off the team. And listen, they, they used a second round pick on Elijah Moore. They believe in the talent and they believe in him having a big, big role in what they're doing here in 2021 and beyond. And I think what you're seeing right now with this restructuring of Jamison Crowder is more so they are trying to correct the mistakes of the past, right? They are trying to correct the mistakes that the previous organization made with 
Sam Darnold and not having enough weapons around him. So they would rather have all of these weapons and have to ultimately decide how they're going to deploy them throughout the 2021 season. Jamie, are you ready to go through the rest of these wide receivers? No. All right. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us here right. on the Monday edition of the show. And yeah, we'll be back on uh, we're back on Wednesday. To- so 31 yeah. names here uh, to get through, and I'll read you the tier four names because there's actually a couple guys that I want to ask you some questions about and just a thought that I had about one of them. So tier four, we got T. Higgins at 31, uh, Julio Jones at 30, Debo Samuel at 29, Brandon Ayuk at 28, Juju Smith-Schuster at 27, Marvin Jones 26, D.J. Moore 25, Antonio Brown 24, Deontay Johnson 23, Tyler Boyd 22, and Jamie – The guy I want to start with is the guy that is ranked 27th on your list. And the reason why I want to start with the guy ranked 27th on your list is because I want to make an analogy to a point that you bring up on this show all the time about another wide receiver that we talked about on Wednesday's show. I am starting to think that the conversations around Juju Smith-Schuster in fantasy are bordering on Odell Beckham Jr. light, in which the name brand and the name value is clouding people's ability to look at the situation. This is not the juju, and this is not the situation we saw when he was a rookie. This is a far cry. It was really when he really exploded. But But yeah, those first two seasons where he was a major part of what they were doing, we are are pretty far removed from that stretch for juju, the same way we are from Odo Beckham Jr. And the reason why I call it light is juju's a younger player. It's not that far away from that situation. He has the talent to turn it around. He doesn't have the injury concerns that we have with Odo Beckham Jr. But I feel very similarly about that situation. The issue with Juju Smith-Schuster, and it's not a talent issue, and, and if you know that I've, I'm have i a fan of Juju Smith-Schuster as a player, as a person, uh, I've tangentially worked with him on various projects. But to me, the issue is you have to look at what this Steelers offense is. And, and I know Jake keeps bringing up the point of how good Ben Roethlisberger's elbow feels, and that's great. But Ben Roethlisberger is 167 years old, okay? And last year, he was afraid to – I mean, he made Alex Smith look like a deep threat at times last year. So I, I have to be re- cognizant of what this offense is and the way they're using Juju Smith-Schuster. They are not using him the same way they used him two, three years ago. That, that's not the role that they have for him. Right now, they are using him as a very much underneath slot, check down, you know, a, a drag type threat. That's what they're using him as. Last year, his average yards per target was 6.49. And his average depth per target was below that. Like they are using him in the, he is the short game. They are they are you basically almost using him as an extension of the run game the way they are throwing to him so close to the line of scrimmage. You know he's got a nearly twenty percent target share last year, so he's still going to get some volume. He plays a full season, he's still going to be in that one twenty one thirty ish target range over seventeen games. He's probably going to flirt with a hundred catches. Like you're going to like that, but he might have a hundred catches in less than thousand yards. I mean, that's where my projections have him right now at about 96 catches and about 821 yards. Like, you're going to look at his receptions, you're going to look at his touchdowns, and he's going to be in the category where people are drafting. The issue is going to be, I can't see him getting to 1,000 yards. And he's going to be a guy that I think is is worthy of being in your lineup. He's going to be ranked as a wide receiver two certain weeks. He's absolutely an elite wide receiver three and a player you're going to want to put in your flex spot more often than not but I don't think he's got this top 15 wide receiver upside the way they're using him. Right, and unless there's a major situation. change in the philosophy of the way they run their offense, right? I and I don't think they can. No, like, I, I don't agree. think Ben Roethlisberger can run this offense any differently I agree. at this point in his career. But let, let, let's let's pontificate, since you used that word earlier. I'll use it here again. 
You tell I, if I had too much caffeine, I'm breaking out all the SAT words. I I think this is one of those scenarios. In and sometimes, Jamie, you you make projections and you make predictions, and I don't mean this as a shot at you. Sometimes they're just flat out wrong, right? There's oh, just most of the time they're going to be right. wrong. They're, they're predicting just, the future. Right, you're predicting the future. But in this scenario, right, I think you would even admit that if Ben Roethlisberger runs the offense the way it's talked about that he's running the offense, then Juju can have a monster season. You're just saying here, I, I'm, not, not, I'm not buying like, into I, that until I see it. I watched a stupid amount of Steelers games last year because I was, it, besides being the king of the J.D. McKissick prop, I was the king of the Deontay Johnson receptions prop, okay? Uh I watch them a lot. I, I don't see how that offense is going to operate any differently this year. And in fact, you can argue you have, you have another year of Chase Claypool progression. You have another year where I do not expect Deontay Johnson to have the the dropsies issues that he had in the back you half have of him, last season. You have season. him four spots higher. You have him 23 on your list for fantasy this season just for comparison. In the same tier as well. And by the way, Najee Harris is going to catch the ball. And he's going to catch the ball a lot more than James Conner did. So, or at least on, I shouldn't say catch a lot more. I, I should quantify what that is. I imagine they're going to throw to Najee Harris more than, they, than James Conner did. So there's a point where unless Ben Roethlisberger's got a time machine and is going back five, six years where he's like leading the league and passing type of uh, Ben Roethlisberger, it's not going to be there even though the volume's there. And I get it. I, I get what there is to like because rarely do you look at a player that's going to get, like I project him to get 126.5 targets. Like, a player of that skill set and that amount of targets, I get why people are all in. The problem is it's they're not high-quality targets. You know what I mean? Like This goes yes. back to like you hear this phrase a lot of times in, in hockey when it comes to goaltending. Like what, what are high-quality scoring chances or high-quality shot attempts? These are not high-quality targets. Now, a year from now when he's somewhere else, and hopefully he's somewhere else. Well, we said that about this season and he just went back, so – uh, Juju's 126 and a half targets in Pittsburgh is not equal to 95 targets in Kansas City, but that's not right. where he went. Or 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 whatever target share he would have gotten in Baltimore, right? I mean, I even the difference in Baltimore might have been just there's a volume issue as we went over with those guys. Like sure. I think on a per target basis, he would have been more productive, but he might he was obviously not he's not getting 126 and a half targets. No, not in that offense. No, that's like that's like a 30 percent target share. No, no, yeah, that's not going in, to in that offense. Um, okay, there's another player that we need to talk about here. Because, there are a couple. Yes. and, and Should we talk about – I mean, I know we touched on it on the last show but I, I, or two shows ago. But I, I think it's worth bringing up because the one that's going to raise everybody's eyebrows is the Julio Jones one. Sure, and, I think there's we, another player in this tier that's going to raise some eyebrows. But Yes, and we'll get into it. Like I want to get deep into some of these guys. But okay, so you let's, wanna, let's talk about Julio because you – Quickly discuss Julio. Is, is the premise here that you are skeptical of a new offensive coordinator – and just from the sheer fact that they are still going to take the ball and turn around and hand it to the guy in the backfield that's very good, whose name is Derrick Henry. That is the issue for me. I am not projecting a drop in talent level or anything of that nature. I, I think you have to look at the difference between the offense that he is coming from and going to. And if you look at what the, the Falcons offense has been the last three years and you look at what the Tennessee Titans offense has been in the Ryan Tannehill era – and even if you project they're going to pass more this year, which, by the way, I am projecting they're going to pass a little bit more this year, we're talking a nearly 10 pass attempts per game drop. 
I, and I think that's where you need to understand this. You, he's going to an offense that's going to throw the ball 10 less times per game. That's 170 less times over the course of a season. So even if he's going to have the same target share that he had in, in Atlanta, even if he's going to be the same talent level that he had and that he was in Atlanta and put all that stuff together, we are looking at a significantly decreased amount of volume. And that is the concern for me. I I, I have him projected for 14 games, but I, I think he's going to be a, you know, a, a six to seven target a game guy because I think they're only going to throw the ball 30 times. Was it you that I was talking about Julio Jones with, and we were talking about the idea that the issue with Julio is that throughout the course of the year, he's going to get dinged up with stuff and he's not going to practice all week. And then he's just going to be a game time decision. And when every week you're going to wonder which version of Julio you're going to get, whether or not he's a decoy or not. I had this conversation with somebody we had in the fantasy space and I I think it was with you, right? Yeah. We had the podcast because you dealt with it last year because he's a tough guy. He's going to try and he's going to go out there. But like last time last year, he went out there and was a three target decoy and to let Calvin Ridley and and Russell Gage and Olamide Zacchaeus eat. Uh, you know, it's a factor. Uh, I'm not factoring that in as – I mean, you have to consider it. I'm just factoring in games missed. I, I can't factor in how many games he might play as a decoy or something of that nature. But just the concern to me is the volume. Like, I think there's a very real chance that if he only – again, if he misses three games or so, that he doesn't get 100 targets. Like, this offense does not throw that much. And if all of a sudden they're going to go from a team that's been throwing like 28 times a game to 38 times a game, sure, that changes everything. But I just don't see that happening. I'm attempting to look up what both um, A.J. Brown and Corey Davis got last season in that offense. So if you just give me a second, I'm going to very quickly for you a little pr- bit. produce my own show here and attempt to do this. And apparently, I don't know how to work the internet here. You apparently do not know how to work the internet. So I could tell you right now. So last season, uh, between the two, if we look at target share, A.J. Brown got 106 targets. Here we go. I games. got it. And Corey Davis got 92 targets in 14 games. Okay. So this is what I'm talking. Right. And, and so and so it's not like all of a sudden Julio Jones steps Julio in. Julio getting Corey Davis's targets. Right. Like that's that's essentially what I'm saying. You know, and that's a same amount of game plays, down- same amount of target share. And that's a significant downgrade from what he was getting in Atlanta. Yes. And that's, again, it's and a that's- volume downgrade. Like on a per yep. target basis. He arguably he could even be better on a per target basis. This is an extremely, assuming they run anywhere close to the way they've been operating the last couple of years, this is an extremely efficient offense in Tennessee. But volume matters in fantasy, and I think that the volume drop that he is going from where he has been the last three years, just looking at that window, to where he's going to now is not being discussed enough. Okay, I have two more main takeaways from this tier that I want to talk about. Okay. We have to talk about the guy you have ranked 26 because I okay. think this is where Jamie Eisner goes on an island all by himself. Yep, this he is, is my fir- galaxy brain. He is firmly planting the, the, the flag into the ground, and he is like, this is my spot. I'm carving out this place in fantasy Twitter land. Marvin Jones, number 26 on the list. Yeah, I, I will fully admit this is my galaxy brain um, experiment here, trying to project the Jaguars offense. Here, here is my thought here. You know, Marvin Jones has a rapport with offensive coordinator and play Carl Daryl Bevel from their time together in Detroit. 
And in the in the 29 games that they played over the last two years together, Jones, even in offense that had Kenny Galladay and TJ Hawkinson and some other pieces there, had a 19.69% target share. So assuming he's operating in that offense in somewhat of a similar capacity, which again, I don't think is that crazy uh, if you start to look at the, the way the target shares I have broken down for each of the Jaguars receivers. We're talking about 120 targets over the course of, of a full season. Uh, he is a guy that has a fairly strong catch percentage around 65%. He's a guy that's around eight and a half yards, yards per target. And more importantly, he is used heavily inside of the red zone and is a touchdown machine. And is somebody that I can easily see getting the double digit touchdowns this year. So, uh, I, I had to kind of call my shot on some of these Jaguars receivers. I know LaVisca Chanel is getting a lot of rave reviews. DJ Chark is going to be the one that's number one in ADP, at least at the moment. Uh, but to me, I'm going to go with the guy that has a rapport with the coordinators, has a nose for the end zone. It can be that veteran leader uh, in that wide receiver room. I'm going to take a shot here on Marvin Jones. You know, look, I mean, the way the offense is being designed and operated, I'm going to go with the guy that has been successful for that coordinator before. And coming over and as a veteran and as a guy that has a nose for the end zone, I think he can be a one that he can end up being the most, uh, the highest scoring, I should say, Jaguars wide receiver in fantasy. So I know this is bold. It's bold having him this high. And I, I understand that. But I really think he can reach these numbers, which for me, I have him at, um, you know, I have things down to the decimal, but 77 receptions. Uh, a little over a thousand yards and ten touchdowns, I think, is very doable, which puts him here in this high-end flex range. So, the last note I want to make about Tier Four, and maybe this will cover the play- some of the players that we haven't talked about that you want to talk about, Jamie. But you have multiple teammates just grouped together in this tier. You have Tyler Boyd at twenty-two and T. Higgins at thirty-one, both in Cincinnati. We've already mentioned Deontay Johnson at twenty-three and Juju Smith-Schuster at twenty-seven. But then you have Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel for the San Francisco 49ers, 28 and 29. And Jamie, the inference I make here and the assumption that I make, knowing that, you know, when you assume bad things happen, is that you think in all three of these situations, either one of these guys could come out on top as the wide receiver one, but it's really close right now. And so your kind of meeting in the middle is just, we'll just group them all together here in tier four. Yeah, see, lower on the list when I group them together, sometimes it's one or the other is going to succeed and you're just not sure which one. I think all of these players are going to be successful, but whether or not the order switches around a little bit is here or there. The difference to me with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk is I just don't think you're going to get 16 games out of Debo Samuel. Like I, I think you just have to understand that you're probably on a per-game basis, and it plays out that way in my projections. You're going to get more points per game out of Debo Samuel. I just don't think there's any chance you're getting 17 games from him. I think you have a better chance of getting 17 games at a Brandon Ayuk, which is why he's one spot ahead. Because there is a point when you start to get this higher in the rankings that your availability matters. Because the replacement level now as you're getting into the these tiers here is harder to find. Your replacement level for wide receiver 60, you can find. You can find somebody to get you by. Wide receiver 30, wide receiver 25, you're starting to take a hit on value to replace because of injury. So uh, I, I think both those guys are going to be incredibly successful. They're both going to get used all over. And by the way, I think once Trey Lance takes over uh, that offense, they're both going to actually get a little bit of a boost by just a more dynamic offense operating in San Francisco overall. Uh, obviously, some of the Steelers are being here as well. Just volume. Like, Deontay Johnson could be a 150-target guy over a 17-game season. Like, same deal. Like, target, target, uh, yards per target, all this other stuff's a concern. And his catch percentage is not great. Uh, I think it's going to improve a little bit from last year. But that sort of volume has to boost you into this category. 
And then I think this is a good way to start to lead into the next tier. There is a lot of fantasy value in Cincinnati because this is an offense that's going to throw a ton. And you have three receivers here ranked between 21 and 31 that belong to the Cincinnati Bengals organization. Uh, which um, spoiler number 21 is Jamar Chase because he's the only name we haven't talked about. He's he's the beginning or the bottom part of that next tier up in tier three. But there's a lot of targets to go around here. And by the way, there were a lot of targets last year. Uh, And I think that's something that kind of got lost in the shuffle because they were such a bad team and then they became completely irrelevant once Joe Burrow got hurt. But there's a lot of fantasy value to go around. So I'm going to get to tier three and we can have a Jamar Chase conversation, but you mentioned San Francisco and what the offense could look like when Trey Lance uh, takes over at some point during the season. I I don't, sometimes I know that you watch the draft dudes live streams and I see you commenting in there. Did you see the other night that there has been a new bet added and it has to do with the San Francisco 49? I did not. I've actually admittedly, I've missed the last couple, been a little busy and traveling and all that stuff. But uh, what is the, what is the, is it an over under on when, Lance starts. No, or? this is this is my belief, and you know how strongly I believe in the San Francisco 49ers this season. We were we're doing our game by game projections, and I think the guys are extremely low on San Francisco. I don't. I, I think having them, I think they have them third in the NFC West. I think they're low on them as a team. So I have a bet with Joe of which team will win more games in 2021. He has the Rams. I have the 49ers. I, it's it's incredibly risky on my end because I'm giving him yeah, obviously the proverbial the favorite in the division. But, but I think I think I mean I think there are three teams in the NFC West that are gonna make the playoffs. So I think right. and one of them is San Francisco. So right. So that, I don't that, think the, like, I don't think the Niners are winning the division, but I can, I would if I had to guess today, I'd put, I'd put them in a wild card spot most likely. So we will see that is that was the, uh, the the bet there. So okay, tier three. Jamar Chase has mentioned twenty one, C D Lamb twenty, Robert Woods nineteen, Adam Thielen eighteen, Cooper Cup seventeen, Michael Thomas sixteen, and, and Jamie. I guess the assumption that I'll make here very quickly because we talked about the two Cincinnati players in the previous tier is you have them closely grouped together, and we, and I talked about that before but you have jamar chase as the the top of these three guys and i my assumption would be that's based on the all three all three all three of these guys are going to get targets they're going to be utilized in an offense it's going to throw the ball a lot i'm going to lean to the guy that i believe is most talented and that's jamar chase yeah and i think he's going to be used more uh i'm going to be used more in highly productive situations where tyler boyd is probably i think tyler boyd has the highest target share uh by slightly uh, of the top three receivers there. But I think Jamar Chase is going to be in the best position to succeed overall. I, I literally, when I, I tried to figure out what his target share would be, I gave him AJ Green's target share from last year and gave him just a 5% bump. And I think that's a very reasonable spot to land on. Like I'm not exact. I'm not projecting him to do these things that are outlandish. Uh, I'm just take AJ Green's volume. And by the way, he'll be way more efficient with it because Green was one of the most inefficient wide receivers in the NFL last year, if not the most. Uh, And I just looked at, like, how do I project Jamar Chase and how do I do it safely? So I thought, by the way, this was a safe projection, and that's how high he got, which surprised me. I looked at the average catch percentage of all of the rookies over the last five years that got 100 or more targets. I did the same thing with the yards per target in that range and the touchdown percentage of that range. So I'm basically saying, can he be, can he match the average of every rookie that's come into the NFL that's gotten 100 targets over the last five years, can he just match the average? I got 80, 81 catches, 1,067 yards, and a little under eight touchdowns with this kind of – with basically getting A.J. Green's target share with a little bit of a bump. And this is where he comes in. Like I, I think his, ce- his ceiling – like if you told me he finishes the top 15 wide receiver this year, 
I, w- I would not be shocked. If you tell me he has a Justin Jefferson season, I would not be shocked. No, I mean, I, I feel at, like this yeah. is a fair, I know this is ranked, in, he's ranked higher than most in the industry, but I still think this is a fairly conservative projection for him. Cause I'm, I'm not saying he needs to be Justin Jefferson. Like these are average. Now, again, to be a hundred target plus player as a rookie, you have to be a, a damn big part of your offense. So I, I, it's not like I'm just grabbing every, you know, you know what, and, and, and putting the average in. But I'm not asking him to be the best receiver to ever come in the league. I'm not asking him to be one of the five best receivers to ever come in the league. I'm just asking him to be among the average of the upper echelon r- rookies that have come into the league over the last half decade. You certainly are higher on Jamar Chase than his average ADP would indicate. His average ADP indicates him as wide receiver 42. You have him. You have him at twenty-one. That's and, and I think like expert rankings have him in the like thirties. Yeah, his low, his low wide 30s. receiver. I'm I'm looking on fantasypros.com. Wide receiver forty-two overall ninety-nine. That that's that's crazy to me. So that, on that note of on I will that have no- plenty of shares of Jamar Chase. Then apparently on that note of ADP, I want to talk about two guys because you're higher than Jamar Chase than most. But two guys that you are lower on than their ADP indicates would be the gentleman that you have ranked 16th and 18th on this list, Michael Thomas and Adam Thielen. You have Michael Thomas, wide receiver 16. Jamie, his average ADP has him going wide receiver 9 and his overall player 31. Yeah, uh, I think that's crazy. Their quarterbacks stink. Yeah, like... I, I don't have a huge issue as much where his overall ranking is because I think, it, like, spoiler alert, he'll be he's still in my top forty when I do, uh, you know, total. We'll do our total reveal show, top two hundred, our top two hundred reveal show, which will be coming up on the twenty seventh live. Um, so it'll be a fun one. You can interact all that other fun stuff. But uh, so I don't think his overall ADP is that crazy. I do think wide receiver nine. And again, uh, to be fair, we are about, let's see here, about one and a half, no, one uh, Jamie, point. Terry no McLaurin's math. behind like, him. And we haven't gotten to, to, to Terry I know, on, but like, on this show we have, yet. But like, there's like a 1.3 points per game difference between wide receiver 16 and wide receiver 9. So like, we're not talking about a precipitous drop, but uh, I, I think you're asking a lot. Uh, look, I looked at what Michael Thomas did because it, projecting the Saints – is not easy. Like, well, let's be <laughs> realistic. Um, you know, but I, I tried to look at the way that Jameis Winston targeted his top wide receiver back when he was the undisputed starter in Tampa Bay in 2018-2019. So at, at that point, he gave that top wide receiver a 22% target share. Drew, Drew Brees last – and so – and looking at like Michael Thomas's target share without Drew Brees the last couple seasons is more like 30%. I tried to settle in at like – 25 26 percent like i think that's a reasonable spot for him to be in could he be higher sure but we don't really know what it's going to be like with Jameis winston and if it's Taysom hill his value is even lower than this but we don't really know what his value is going to be but i figured a, a little over 25 26 percent target share will be perfectly fine he's going to be 135 target player he's going to be a 100 plus reception player he's going to be north of 1200 yards so he's going to be really good i just don't think he's going to be this 130 type catch player like I, I, I don't think he's going to get the same kind of same kind of target share that he has gotten over the years, which is going to hurt his volume a little bit. I still think he's going to be pretty incredibly productive. I mean, again, 100, 100, 400, five catches, over twelve hundred yards, six, seven touchdowns. Like he's going to be really good. I just think you're buy if you're going to take him a wide receiver nine, you're buying at his full price upside. 
Like that, why that, that number one receiver that's not there anymore. Like we're not buying that. Like it, the offense is going to be a little bit different. There's a new offensive coordinator. There's a new quarterback. There's it's a different team than what he had before. He doesn't have wide receiver one overall upside. It's not there. So to me, does he have top 10 receiver upside still? Yeah, it's very possible that he does. But you're going to pay full price to find out. I'm not going to be one that does it. Um, and then who is he going to play talking about? Adam Thielen? I just mentioned Thielen because his ADP has him uh, two spots behind Michael Thomas. Wide receiver 11, overall player 39. You have him here at 18. And I know ADP is not the be-all end-all. I'm just comparing. I'm using it as a talking point of where you have these guys in comparison to where they're actually going in drafts. Yeah, I I, I like Thielen still. I have him at 18 here. He's going to suffer a little bit of a touchdown drop. I have him dropping down to more like 11 touchdowns this year. But Look, he's gonna he's gonna see the ton of targets with Justin Jefferson. Um, the offense is still a run heavy offense. Again, I like him, but I don't think he's gonna be again. Even you just take away a few touchdowns, it's gonna put him in this category. So he's still a wide receiver too for me, but I I, I can't put him around the top ten or top eleven. Uh, anybody else in this tier before we move on? We got fifteen more names to get to. I just want to make sure if there's anybody that you really want. And again, we can't talk about every player that Jamie ranks. So I I open the floor to Jamie if there's a player that he really wants to discuss here. Yeah, I, I don't have to go deep into this, but number 20, C.D. Lamb. I'm expecting big things from, from him this year. Right? So and we, I'm not exactly going out on a limb by saying Listen to the quarterback but. show to listen to Jamie's thoughts about Dak Prescott, and you will understand why he feels the way that he does about C.D. Lamb. Okay, tier two. It's a big tier, Jamie. It is. Chris Godwin, 15. Tyler Lockett, 14. Allen Robinson, 13. Amari Cooper, 12. Terry McLaurin, 11. D.K. Metcalf, 10. Mike Evans, 9. Keenan Allen, 8. Justin Jefferson, 7. And, and Jamie, I... I there, there's a lot to get to here. Hopefully everything's okay. It sounded like uh, the, the cat knocked something over. Probably. Wide receiver well, we'll seven out. on your list. Yes. This is you. Now, I say you're wrong. I'm just pointing this out. This is you putting all the chips in the middle. Justin Jefferson going to return what we saw last year. Going to repeat this year. Top 10 wide receiver. Top seven wide receiver. Not concerned about it at all. That's essentially what I'm saying. Uh, I'm essentially saying I think he can repeat last year. Uh, and once he took over as that starting role, he had a twenty nine, excuse me, twenty five point five nine percent target share. Once he kind of got into that starting spot, if he gets that target share again, he's going to be one hundred thirty four hundred thirty five target type of player. And if he if he maintains his percentages from last season, which I think he can do, you're going to get big things from him. Uh, I I think what he did essentially what I'm saying is I think what he did last year was repeatable, uh, and I, I think he is the number one receiver there. Now we know it from week one. It's not There's not going to be any sort of runway that he's going to need to go up to. Yes, he's going to get some more attention from defenses, but Adam Thielen's still there as well. It's not like he's the a one man band in Minnesota that's never that's you know you can you can bracket him and there's nobody else that can beat you. So I I'm basically staking in my my uh, putting the flag in the ground and saying I think he can repeat last season. Yeah, one or, get, one or close to it. One end of the island is Marvin Jones, wide receiver, twenty six. The other end of the island right now is Justin Jefferson can repeat his two thousand and twenty season. I have a question for you, Jamie. Okay, are you comfortable with the idea that you are going to have no shares of DK Metcalf next season? Yes. Okay, I just want to make very it because you have him ranked as wide receiver ten, and he's going like wide receiver five. So I just, that's what I was. Yeah. Just I, look, and I'm not trying to double down on my thing from last year because again, I was right and wrong last year. Ultimately, I was wrong because you look at look at where he finished. But listen to, listen to the roast of uh, Jamie show. But the back half of last season was exactly almost to the target what I predicted for it. 
So my concern is going to be that everybody is going to buy the first half of last year and ignore the second half of last year. And it's very easy to do. It's very easy, especially when you get off to a hot start. That's your narrative. We've talked about this on on an overall picture on the TDN Fantasy Podcast before, where sometimes your narrative gets set and people stop paying attention. Uh, I like, I'm in like with DK Metcalf, but the problem is, is this is the offense that now is threatening to run the ball more. This was an offense that, quite frankly, DK Metcalf was, was a wide receiver three, essentially, uh, in the back half of the season for you. So I'm not going to be one to pay full price for him. I don't think he's a top five wide receiver. I'm perfectly comfortable with him here at number 10. Um, I, I, still, I still think he's a wide receiver one. I just don't think he's in that top category. So I, I, will, I know he's a guy I'm going to have no shares of. And I'm okay with it. He's going to have some huge weeks. He's a damn good player. I love the talent. This is, it's not a knock on him. But I, I, that back half of the year concerns me. Because that's exactly what I feared when the season began and why I was low on him last year. And I think there's a chance that he's going to have to deal with some of that stuff this year, particularly if they do decide they actually want to run the ball more. Some other notes, you talked about Allen Robinson getting a little little bit of a boost. He's 13th now here on this list, just outside the wide receiver one conversation on a week-to-week basis. Depending on the matchup, he's very easily going to find himself here inside uh, the top 12 with the the rotation of these guys. Uh, Terry McLaurin sneaking in there as a wide receiver one, Jamie. I like it. I see what you're doing there. I support him him there as wide receiver 11. Uh, Anything else here in tier two before we get to uh, the top six tier one, guys? I think we need to talk about Mike Evans. Uh, can you pull up his ADP for a second for me, Chris? I can, if, I, sure. if I remember, it was n- uh, not as high as I thought it should be. Mike Evans is wide receiver 14 ADP-wise with overall 40. Okay, so he's my wide receiver 9, and let me break down why. We talked a lot on the quarterback episode about the way the Tampa Bay offense changed from Week 10 and beyond with Tom Brady getting a, a reportedly better grasp of the playbook. You have Antonio Brown up to full speed there. So from week 10 through the Super Bowl, Mike Evans received a 19.65% target share. And if you were watching him, he really, really developed a strong connection with Tom Brady in the second half of the season. So I was really excited to see that. That sort of target share is about 130 targets over the course of the season. You know, he's the guy that hangs a little bit under 60% catch percentage from him. Uh, So he's not going to be a guy that's going to be like a 90 catch guy, probably 78 catches. But he averaged almost 10 yards a target uh, from Brady from week 10 on. Uh, had a north of a 10% touchdown rate, which I do think is repeatable for him given the way he's used in these offenses. I think this is a guy that's going to get a dozen, 13 touchdowns. He's going to be 12, 1300 yards. Uh, I think he's going to be one of the best fantasy receivers in the NFL this year. And I think he's getting slept on a bit. He and Brady were on a whole nother level in that back half of last season, particularly post bye week for them. Watch out. If he could stay healthy. Now, the concern with him, as was pretty much with every Bucks receiver, has been soft tissue injuries. That that hamstring monster is there's something going on in Tampa Bay with the with the water or something that that's that's keeping all these hamstring issues. So that's always a concern that are you gonna get a full Mike Evans every single week he's out there? He's gonna gut through it if he can, but are you gonna get hundred percent Mike Evans? But if he is out there, when he is on the field and healthy, he is a top ten wide receiver, not even a shred of doubt in my mind. Tier one, six names that we have to discuss here. And I think I could have a comment on all six of them. DeAndre Hopkins, six. A.J. Brown, five. Tyree Kill, four. Calvin Ridley, three. Stephon Diggs, two. Devontae Adams, one. And I'll start one and I'll work my way down, Jamie. And interrupt me if you'd like to discuss any of the thoughts I have. Gladly. Clearly, you're assuming that Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback in Green Bay. Devontae Adams is one. No, agreed. But... I, that's my thought, right? You're, you're assuming yeah, that if, Aaron Rodgers is going to be there. We can have a different conversation down the road. 
and I can wrap this up succinctly. If Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback in Green Bay, there is no argument otherwise for wide receiver one. There's just not one to be had. Stephon Diggs, two. You think he can repeat last season in that offense? Close to repeating, yes. Um, I do think he can repeat it. If he gets that sort of target share. Uh, now, what I did with Stephon Diggs in particular is I kept the same target share from last year, which you know, I, I think it's doable. Uh, and then I took his three-year catch percentage and I weighted it a little bit towards last season. A three-year yards per target weighted heavily towards last season uh, and looked at his touchdown percentage last year. So I didn't just take his his rates from last year. Uh, I used a little bit of the Minnesota rates just to kind of normalize it a little bit. And uh, I actually did not expect him to come in here in this spot. Technically, his projection has him as the wide receiver three, but I think he's a little bit safer uh, in that spot. So I moved him up to wide receiver two. The volume is going to be there. And I think that's the biggest thing. Like you're going to look up, he's going to get seven, eight, nine, ten 10 catches a week. And you're going to be really happy with it. Uh, Calvin Ridley, you are, you're, you are betting on the fact that it's his show now, even with Kyle Pitts in Atlanta, no Julio Jones. He's clearly the number one. Those targets that Julio had have to go somewhere. And a good portion of them are going to go to Calvin Ridley. And let's talk about this because the Calvin, I did not expect to rank Calvin Ridley this high, but I'm, <laughs> I'm all, I'm all, I'm all for it. And I'm going to have a lot of shares of him because we do have at least a decent amount of sample size with what Calvin Ridley can do in this offense without Julio Jones. Jones has missed enough time and it's been limited enough times to kind of know. So I, I tried to find out wh- wh- what should his reasonable target share in this offense be. So overall last year when he was healthy, Calvin Ridley got a 24.1% target share. But when Julio Jones was out, he had a 32.8% target share. Did you just split the difference? Kind of. Uh, I waited a little bit more toward the 24% because I don't think he's like, only Devontae Adams gets this sort of like target share. But I have him around 28, 28.5%. So I think if he stays healthy there, we're talking about 165, 166, 167 types targets for him, which he's, if he gets that, he's going to be a north of 100 catches. He's going to be north of 1,500 yards, probably going to be a double-digit touchdown guy at that point. I, I'm really, really excited for what he can do this year. And look, if he somehow sneaks into that closer to 30%, and again, I expect the Falcons to throw a little bit less this year than they have over the previous few seasons. Arthur Smith's not going to throw it quite as much as previous administrations there. But this is a guy that, like, if you told me at the end of the year, especially if, like, let's say Aaron Rodgers sits out, you tell me he finishes the wide receiver one, I wouldn't bat an eye. Like, I, he's got the talent. He's going to get the volume. He needs to be... His ADP needs to be a bunch. What is his ADP right now? And I, his I'm sure ADP he hasn't fully adjusted from the Julio Jones trade yet, but wide receiver seven overall player twenty four. Okay, okay, that that's not as terrible. Like I, I would take. I, I think Calvin Ridley. I wouldn't take Calvin Ridley in round one, but he wouldn't get far in round two. Put it that way. You have him, you have him ranked. Thir- All right, we'll save. Don't this. give it we'll away. Save this. We'll save this. I'm just saying. I probably don't take him in round one, but like he wouldn't get very far in round two. Tyreek Hill at four. I just think consistency. He's the most explosive receiver in the game and his ability yeah. to get down the field. You're just betting on the consistency. And there is a little bit of a cap because, because Travis Kelsey's there because I mean, they're, they're going to miss a little time. Like right. you got to figure he's going to miss a game or two. Uh, AJ Brown. It's, it's his show now in Tennessee. Yeah. He had a great season last year. You're, you're betting on him to repeat that in 2020. Yeah, like he's like to me his his value didn't now he was going to be the wide receiver 3 prior to the Julio Jones trade. Uh but I didn't I didn't drop him too far because to me he's still going to be uh you know, he's still a guy that's going to get a 25% target share when he's healthy and I think the difference is going to be uh you know, look, if he was the only guy there, I think he would have got peppered a little bit more volume, but I still think he's going to be north of 130 targets. Again, it, on a per target basis, 
AJ Brown might be the number one wide receiver in fantasy, but that's not how we play the game. So not, you have to look at works. the situation. Uh, but I think, I mean, on those 132 targets, you know, 85 catches, I have him at, we're just under 1,500 yards, 13 touchdowns. Like on a per target basis, he's probably going to be the number one guy. Uh, but again, that's not how fantasy works. You have to be cognizant of the volume. You know, you, you swap AJ Brown and Calvin Ridley, it's not close for me. Like it's AJ Brown is going to be in a whole different category. He's threatening Devontae Adams at that point. And if there's Rodgers, he's no, he's a wide receiver one, but that's not the fantasy land we get to play in. Last part, we have to talk about DeAndre Hopkins. You have him as wide receiver six. His ADP is actually wide receiver four, so you're a little bit lower on him. And and I guess the the question mark there is what does this offense look like? Does it look like the first half of the Cardinals from last season or does it look like the second half of the Cardinals from last year? I just think it's, it's a, he has a lower ceiling than some of these other guys. Like to me, this with DeAndre Hopkins, it is a, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins' floor is probably higher than anybody but Adams with Rodgers. Like it just from a pure, like what is the worst case scenario? He might be that he might have the second highest floor among every wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, but I don't think he's got the same ceiling as some of the other guys. And that's kind of what I want to bet on here. If I'm going to take now, again, I still have uh, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, as a player that I would, you know, consider in, you know, as a player I would take there in the second round. But to me, if I'm going to spend a first round pick, when I think you're starting to talk about some of these guys at the top is, you know, top 15, top 16 overall picks. If I'm going to spend a pick there on it, I want somebody that I think has 19, 20 points per game upside. Maybe he's not going to get there because, again, you're not that's that's asking a lot. I only have one player at wide receiver projected to score more uh, the 20 points or more, and that's Devontae Adams. But I, I don't think Hopkins has that upside, but I also don't think like I can't see a scenario reasonably barring an injury where he's outside of wide receiver one territory. Like I just, I just don't, I can't compute it and probably not even outside of top 10 territory. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I love his floor. I don't think he's got this dozen touchdown upside. And if you kind of look at through my projections, you want to kind of see where's the difference and why is he, you know, a little bit behind some of those top five guys is, I think he's going to be around the seven touchdown range where everybody else aside from Stefan Diggs is probably going to be in that 11 to 13 touchdown range. And I think that's where that starts to add up over the course of the season. But his floor is massive. Like I said, assuming Aaron Rodgers goes back to Green Bay, at least for the year, only Devontae Adams has a higher floor in the fantasy wide receiver community than than DeAndre Hopkins. That's it. We're done. Wide receivers in the books. We start running backs on Wednesday. Jake will be back with us. Jamie, before we get out of here, where can everybody follow you on social media? You can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter, at Jamie Eisner TDN on Instagram. Follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio, SCHU Radio. Follow the show on Twitter at TDN Fantasy. That's where you're going to want to tweet all your projections, questions as we continue through this process for Jamie. We'll do the QA show and our final thoughts show uh, after all of this is done. The draftnetwork.com under the fantasy tab is where all of these uh, tiers and lists are done and they're up on the site. Jamie's also now posting the projections with the numbers up on the site. Quarterbacks went up, Quarterbacks I believe, already this up. morning. Uh, so that's up. So those are going to be up there as well. So you can see the actual breakdown of all of these numbers. That is going to do it for us here on the program. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.